Hey, what's up you guys? It's Anxiety. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us for this awesome episode in honor of our 10 year anniversary. My husband, also known affectionately as Husbando, uh, known in real life as Pat, was on the show. And we talked about what it's like to be hanging out with each other and be friends and then finally fall in love. And we talked about what it's like to hang out and fall in love with somebody who also has a mental illness and it turns out it's uh it's not that tough it's not that tough you just kind of you just kind of love i know that sounds really cheesy but people ask me that question a lot and i i often have a hard time knowing how to respond uh because it just it's a lot a lot of hard work but at the same time we don't really see each other as just people with a mental illness so Anyway, I'm giving away the episode at this point. This episode and many others are sponsored by WebAround. Amazing green screens. Check out WebAround. Use the code anxiety and help support the channel. If you'd also like to support us, please be sure to leave a lovely review on any of the sites where you found us. Wherever you listen to us, you could probably review us. So, so be sure to do that. It helps a lot. I love you guys. Thank you so, so much for being here. Let's go, Sparks. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Anxiety. Sorry, I'm sure you're wearing headphones and I just yelled like I am a ringleader in a boxing match. Real sorry about that. I do, I do have some regrets. So I'm starting out by myself and then Husbando is going to come in. So today's conversation is about relationships. I'm no love expert, but I have been in a relationship for 10 years. We met when we were actually at our worst, uh, Patrick. We'll refer to him as Pat. So Pat had just had to leave school because his uh, panic disorder had gotten so bad. And uh, I myself was on the verge of leaving uh, after a semester of college where I was uh, because my depression was so bad. I was feeling suicidal. And uh, I definitely was of the belief that finding somebody would make things worse. I wanted to be by myself. I kind of wrote all men off at that point. Uh, and so the story of how we met has been mildly debated because 10 years later, the argument is still you flirted with me. I never flirted with him. And, and we'll bring it and we'll bring this up. The discussion is going to be about relationships and mental illness and how is it that two people with mental illness make this shit work for 10 years. Uh, and the honest answer is we really want it to work. We, we when shit gets tough, we work on it and we don't give up. Uh, and I always say that that's the difference between like, uh, there are definitely people that are incompatible. I don't want it to seem like, oh, you gave up on somebody, especially if somebody's abusive or, uh, you know, just treating you unkindly or you're not right for each other. Like, absolutely. If two people love each other very, very much and you know that there's a lot of love there and you know that you're building on a foundation of love, then fighting for it is is always worthwhile. And being there and basically the way I say it, see it is... There's two people, and when you fall in love, you go deep, deep into the trenches. You are diving, and the thing is, the scary part is, you only have one oxygen tank. The oxygen tank, I think in this case, is kind of like your patience. It's kind of like it, it substitutes spoons. So the difference is, when you fall in love, and the two of you are swimming, and the two of you are down deep, when things get tough, and your oxygen runs low, does the other person help you? Do you guys get together and find a way to get that oxygen tank back up? Or do you just give up? Does one of you just go up to the surface without the other waving the other one goodbye? Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I think that's what makes relationships work, is two people really, really wanting 
to to keep swimming together to keep exploring to keep making new things happen to keep fighting through like all the bullshit and all the hard stuff that life is because honestly there's a lot of hard stuff in life so if you guys haven't read modern love by aziz ansari he actually wrote it with um with a social scientist so uh there's like a lot of research and back end and he talks about like the groups and the control groups that they used so it's definitely like it's a brilliant piece of writing and i highly recommend it but one of the things uh one of the things that he talks about is how um is first of all he talks about like why is it that certain couples can get together in an arranged marriage and still be together and that's the whole like his basically the answer is and i'm sorry to spoil it for you but the answer is because they have to and because they don't see an alternative that they want like an alternative would be i guess divorce or splitting up and that's not an alternative that if you can't even consider that as an alternative and you have that foundation it definitely it just it makes it worthwhile to work on it the other thing is he talks about the fact that like the first three months in a relationship chemically you're just like going haywire and it might be it might be three months for some people it's like six for some people it's a year but chemically you are getting those endorphins like crazy there's just like sex and all this stuff is happening and it's awesome and the problem is your body can't sustain that level of excitement and frankly, it gets real stupid when it's in that phase because you're working on like adrenaline and this high, like imagine when you're just like super, super giddy and for people who have bipolar, like imagine that like mania phase, but then you just, you, if you sustain it, like life becomes very uncomfortable after a while. So that fades, but at that point you have to have some kind of a, the idea is that, that with that, with all of that like excitement and adrenaline that you've built up a tiny little like somewhat of a foundation to base the rest off of. So whether that's mutual interest, whether that's just mutual respect, whatever that is in your brand of a relationship, not having that little bit of foundation is what makes things fizzle. When you just, when things are just physical or things lack physicality, whatever it is, if in those, like in that while, you have to be building a foundation when you find somebody. And if you don't build that foundation or if you're just not heckin' compatible, I strongly believe that there are people that like just don't need to hang out with each other. There is over 7 billion of us I think, I hope that I have that number right, but there's over 7 billion of us. You don't have to like everybody and you don't have to hang out with everybody and you do not, there's no way that you won't find somebody you're compatible with the same way that you're going to find a ton of people that you are not compatible, that you are compatible with. Oh my goodness. I heard an early husband do. Maybe he'll be here sooner than we expect. So, so that's my, my kind of my philosophy because one of the common questions I get from people, you guys would be surprised is how are you like is everything okay in your relationship considering the strain that mental illness takes on people and i'm not sitting here pretending that mental illness does not take a strain in our relationship but i feel like if it didn't there'd be other stuff right like there'd be other things that we'd have to be battling i'm always afraid of how someone could deal with mine because i usually hide my issues from my friends for the most part and i hide it well i guess that's the thing we get into these patterns where we're we're just like so good at hiding that shit um and the thing is we have talked about it it's definitely better to be open you don't like come out at it and are like i'm depressed deal with it you know you you have you sit down and have a conversation and you kind of lay out to this person how your life is affected by this and most of the time that person will be like oh that's what's going on great now i have an explanation um and if they don't do that then fuck that person hey 
This is the time. Oh man, I should have prepared like a sitcom. Like, oh, look who's in. Look who came in. Did you bring tea? Yeah. For your little sore throat? Yeah. You guys, husbando has sore throat and he's still here with us. Yay! Everybody, this is for those of you guys I don't who need don't any know. Other introduction you do need an introduction. Hey, what's up you guys? It's Anxiety and this is Husbando over here who's finally agreed to be on the show. And by finally, I mean jokes on you. He was on the very first episode and he OG. did exactly this. Yeah. Uh so if you go onto YouTube, you can enjoy that nightmare in very low res. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, it wasn't, I mean, you know, it was... Uh, it was back when we were a crafting show. Do you recall that? Yeah. Oh, boy. Them's, them's were the breaks. <laughs> um, and uh, and then you gave me the uh, the catchphrase, which is my favorite story about this whole thing. What? They... You were like, you were like, I came up with a catchphrase, okay? And yeah. just let me say it to you, all right? And I was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And you're like, be the light. And I was like, I don't know, maybe workshop it a little bit. <laughs> and like, that, that was just... Uh, and it's fun! taken off are you ready to answer questions i guess so oh well that's very anticlimactic if yeah. you're just gonna be like yeah i'll answer questions we'll start with this question to warm us up but what's the story of how we met do tell the story of how we met is i was at somebody's house for new year's eve slept over they were a college friend and the uh next morning uh maria shows up and is like Oh my god, guys! We're gonna go hiking. We're gonna be in this this reservation. This I want to just go like go walk around and be outside. It's the new year, and oh my gosh! And we we all you know this this Marie girl sounds so off. I don't even know. And we all agree, and we get into the car, and you're like, oh my gosh, guys, we're gonna go. It's right down the street. We just take this nice nice hike in the middle of the woods. It'll be great. And then uh, somebody was just like. Uh, Somebody was just like, oh, well, like, whatever. Or, some, or somebody said something, and you're like, oh, well, you, what a handful. And I was just like, you're a handful. <laughs> and I think that was the first thing I ever said to you. I think that was. You guys, he's not a man of many words, other than us forcing him to be a man of very words, many words right now. Well, then, I did I have my camera? That no, one? it was my shitty ass camera. Oh, it was your it was camera. My, you guys, it was a two yeah. megapixel Canon. Okay, so then two there, whole megs. There was a camera at some point during the hike, and I took a picture or two, and then uh, the camera got back around to you, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, guys, aren't, aren't these pictures so cute?" And you're like, "I just mean the pictures, though. Like, just the pictures are cute." And I was just like, "Okay." So it was a whole activity of of hiking. Then uh, we got home, and that was basically in the the end of the day. But then I messaged you on Facebook or something. No, so me. I messaged him. So here's what was going on. So at the time, it was freshman year in college, and Facebook was like the new big thing. When so we big. were going, no, it was. It was a huge so thing. Old. So we would. Um, it was. I was friends. The girl that I was friends with that like introduced us. She had like she. They had a group. And she invited me to this group. And in that group, everybody exchanged phone numbers. So I posted my phone number and said, hey, dude, since everybody's exchanging phone numbers, here's mine in case you ever want to hang out again, because that was super fun. And I meant it to like our mini group. There was four of us hanging out. Um, but you sent it right to me. Yeah. Wait, did I? Yeah. Oh, I thought I sent it to the group. I no, might have sent it to I'm you. I'm pretty sure you sent it to me. You're like, hey, here's my phone number just in case, like, whatever. And I was just like, all right, I mean, this is pretty obvious. And I definitely, so at the time, I had sworn off of guys, because the last guy stood me up when we were supposed to go to a concert, and I was like, I'm done, 
I need to work on my mental health. I just went to the counseling center at uh, the college I was going to and told them that I was suicidal. And they told me to go across the street and maybe talk to somebody there. Literally, quote, that's a quote. So I was like, you know what? I'm done with guys. I don't need this shit right now. I'm going to be friends. I'm only making friends from now on. So that's why I was like, this is my new resolve. It's January 1st, right? So I'm like, this is my new resolve to make friends. I'm going to be honest and open and I'm going to make a friend right now. So I wasn't flirting. Honestly, at the time, there's no part of my brain that was set into flirt mode. I don't know, though. I'm so <laughs> awkward that I probably don't have a flirt mode, but... Then we messaged and we had our first date. Um, no, no, no. So you texted me and you said, I think you're cute too. And I said, what, what? That was the, that was the next part of that. And you were like, yeah, I thought you were really cute. Did, didn't you say I was cute? And I was like, what? I guess. <laughs> anyway, we had a date on the fourth. That was our first date. And that was our first date. And then we went into a Starbucks. And uh, we literally, we were talking and we were discussing like our past relationships and stuff. And this is where it gets super unromantic because at one point we go, this could work. <laughs> like that was, it was very practical. It, it was, was like, very transactional yeah. after, uh, after a few hours of talking though, yeah. honestly. It was hours of talking and we connected on the fact that both of us felt misunderstood because we had this thing and we both couldn't like define what anxiety was. I wasn't seeing a therapist, so I couldn't tell you that it was exactly depression. I was still denying that to myself. So we kind of connected on like, we're different. Both of us are different. We feel differently about the world. So, so that was a little bit of connection that we had. And then we talked about our exes and stuff. And then we we're like, we should, right? We were like, we could try. I mean, worst case, we'll break up. I think that was the whole conversation. Yeah, and we were like, we don't have to put a label on it, or we could just hang yeah. out and be together and whatever. Like, that was yeah. that was the whole thing. Uh, that's nice. There's no pressure going into it. Something I got to... Yeah, that was, that was kind of it. I think that's why it also worked out, because I used to throw myself head first and, like, obsess over every detail of every guy I ever went on a date with. And then this one was so very different. It was... It was easy. The conversation was easy. And like, this is going back to in the beginning when I talked about foundations, like this is what I'm talking about is that we had like set up a little bit of a base that wasn't just like, oh my God, I find you attractive and there's nothing else about this to go on uh, with. Okay. When did I know when to propose? Ooh, okay. That, that's a good one. Uh, that is a good one. I don't remember exactly the scenario other than the fact that i definitely needed health insurance <laughs> oh that was one of so every every big decision we've had to make we like we kind of get really transactional about yeah. it we kind of shut off the emo we try to shut off the emotional aspect of it and just talk transactions so like joint bank account why is it beneficial is it gonna make us like feel good or is there something good like useful to it for both of us Get married for health insurance. Uh, yeah, so that was that was definitely the health insurance part was one of the things because it was running out for you. But that was before you had you proposed way before you knew you were going to be moving into a role where you wouldn't have health insurance. That's true. We were together first, but it it made six sense years. to make the date when we did because the of that. date the date was tied to that. After like seven years, it's still like a little. I mean, we were basically going to get married anyway. <laughs> I think that was the discussion where I had a discussion with him where I was like, I'm ready to get married. And he was like, what? Why would you say that? 
I, I remember we definitely had that conversation. Uh, yeah. But then... The unromantic part of the conversation. And then you're like, right. okay, just don't talk about it anymore to me. And you got that, you got that pretend cranky where you genuinely upset me because I believe you. But then looking back at it, I'm like, oh, he wasn't actually cranky. He was trying to hide a secret. Yeah. Yeah, that like one. Like when you absolutely found out exactly where I was going to propose because you were so no nosy about it. And then... This is actually a kind of funny story because we uh, we wanted I wanted to do a big proposal um, at a lantern festival and I had only come across the fact that this lantern festival was happening a few months before it was going to happen. And Maria went, went to me and was like, we got to we have to go and do more things and we have to go be out more. And I found this thing that you know we're going to uh, go do together and it's this lantern festival and we have to be there and i was just like no we can't do that and i was trying to come up with reasons but i had already bought tickets i had already booked a photographer i had already like contacted the venue that i was going to propose here it was all supposed to be a big secret meanwhile, meanwhile i started crying i started crying because i was like this lantern festival is just like the one Rapunzel had and you and we don't do anything fun and our relationship is falling apart and it, I like it was very over dramatic because I genuinely and the chances of you figuring out that at that year at that time yeah it was uh to, to come up with some kind of lie and I just said don't worry about it like forget about it we'll do something else we'll you know we'll make something else special and then there were tears and then I was like, look, I already bought you tickets as a surprise. And that was supposed to be a, a gift. And, you know, then we're just going to go. So then she still didn't know technically that I was going to propose. But. Okay. So then he starts <laughs> doing this thing where all of our friends, whenever they came over one by one, he'd bring them into the office before this was a stream room. Before I spent like any time in here, really, he would one by one bring them into the office. They would giggle and then they'd come out and then they'd be like, <laughs> that is really cool. Good job, Pat. And I was like, they're talking about an engage. It has to be an engagement. So it was all like guesswork, but I like definitely, definitely knew. I mean, yeah, maybe. Huh? You really gave it. You did not. You wanted to be found out. I like you did not. There was a lot of stuff that we had to prepare for. Like you had to be dressed up. To go out in the middle of nowhere to this lantern festival in like the middle of uh, fall. It was like freezing outside. Oh my god, it was, it, no, it was end of September, September 17th. But I it just was looked absolutely up. Freezing. It was so cold. All the pictures we have blankets on because it was, it was like we did these cute shots with us holding blankets and snuggled up. It was because it was freezing. <laughs> it was a secret and it was also like a hey. We're going to go to this thing and maybe also go get a manicure beforehand. Just no reason. Yeah, no, like, he was bad at hiding it. I was I mean, definitely, how... yeah. Question for husband though. How did you feel about her when you first two met? Uh, how did I feel? It was a mutual kind of, I don't know, interest? Yeah. And, um, why did we sync up? Just because you, I think I had asked Melissa then about, uh, what your deal was after you left. She had suggested that I think we, you know, 
get to know each other better. Really? I think so. Yeah, Melissa ended up being a bridesmaid. She should have been a maid of honor, but that's a different story. An entirely different story. So anyway, we we kind of our our friend, you know, played matchmaker a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that's why she wanted us to hang out together. Um, because I think she figured. I, yeah, and then we. Con- how did you feel about me? Do you remember? Like we connected. No. When? Over like under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first date? Or that was like... No, that was the first date. That's so crazy. That is so cr- Looking back at it, I remember my sister was like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I'm in love! It was like... <laughs> looking back at it, I would not... I would look back at 18-year-old me and be like, you need to calm the F down. But I it was mean, the first time... I 18, though. But yeah, it but was... it was also the first time I had met somebody, like, based on my family situation, it was the first time I met somebody who, like, treated me kindly and like a person and like like i told you about all the douchebags i dated and you were like holy shit (laughs) bar was low (laughs) was your first kiss with m oh my gosh was my first kiss no No. we were 18 no yeah Yeah. (laughs) what kind of mental disorder do both of us have so do you want to talk about what you have and then i'll talk about what i have oh we're gonna like trading cards like yeah, like, trading these are shit cards i don't want any of them <laughs> these abilities suck and you can only activate them if you're completely miserable and like about to die i don't i don't agree these are these are bad cards um so generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder yeah um that's what i've i've got go fish <laughs> uh so recently re-diagnosed <laughs> on the bipolar spectrum Sorry. but uh it's bipolar uh anxiety and uh adhd is my most recent diagnosis yeah so there's just a general high anxiety that sometimes rolls over into a panic attack sometimes so that's not fun yeah that's so in terms of one of the questions that somebody asked was like what are the things that test you guys so for him it's it's his panic disorder it's what uh it, it it prevents us from being able to just like enjoy everyday activities because you don't know if there's potentially a panic attack hiding there like yeah. even if there's not a trigger you could just you could have a panic attack without a trigger guys right you so could just, it could just happen um and it's more likely to happen after the first one happens yeah because there's br- a panic or there's an anxiety about having panic right that is a feedback loop that really is a, a dangerous trap yeah all into yeah um what's hardest about my disorders for you the depression is is disruptive to like plans that we make or like getting things done or like you know um i can't think of anything specifically you definitely have a list bud (laughs) don't die oh my gosh you'll be right back Okay, so I'll prepare the next question. How do you deal with each other's coping mechanisms? Well, I can start answering that from my perspective. And honestly, I don't know. Um, One of his coping mechanisms is avoidance, though. So that is the hardest one to deal with. In terms of me, the coping mechanisms, like, we... The cool part about being together for 10 years is that we both know what needs to be done in order for the other person to function. So, like, 
even if he's in a situation where he's like, no, I'm in such panic that I can't possibly like even talk right now. I know what he needs to do. I might like pinch him. I might tap him. Uh, you know, I might like take him out of the situation that he's in. I definitely always get him like some kind of cold water, something to put on the back of his neck. Like I know what I need to do when he's completely not functional. So in some sense, I feel like we're both each other's coping mechanism. I hope that makes sense. And when I'm depressed, like he knows, put on a movie, ask me if I'd like to eat like some of my favorite food, um, you know, stuff like that. Are crowded spaces hard for you to go to? Crowded spaces. Um, not usually. It's the enclosed, uh, right, space more. It's like the fear of being in put in a situation that you would be in a closed space. Got it's it. not like being in the closed space. It's not like a claustrophobia where, like, in the moment, you're like, oh my god, I'm in a closed space, I can't move, I gotta, you know, get out, I, I you know, can't be here. Right, right, right. It's the... What if I have to take the subway today and it's full? Like, that's that's the, like, it's the anticipatory thing that gets me the worst, honestly. And I, I'm point. sure there's people who have claustrophobia and generalized anxiety or, you know, panic disorder. Right, right. That's got to be very hard. Um, that when you're actually in the situation, it just perpetuates itself because even facing the fear is going to reinforce that there is more fear there because the panic is feeding on that. But um, yeah, mine is like the one level removed of that where like a, I'm worried I will end up in a situation where this happens. Not that where I will you will be, be threatened, but not that you're threatened there. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's not logical and. It well, panic. Me. No, no panic is logic. That's the problem. Yeah. It bothers me even more because it's just like he's so, a very overly logical person. It just makes no sense. Um, but I mean, you just get through. Yeah, I won't notice until he points out, like, "Oh my God, this is too many," or "This is too enclosed," and and then I'll usually tune in. But it's not something that I tune in normally. Are there any of our coping mechanisms that kind of get in the way of each other? Like something that. Uh, I said your avoidance is something that you use as a coping mechanism that can get in the way. Is there anything that... Oh, well, I mean, like, avoidance is not really a good coping me mechanism. It's but... not, right, but... Um, that, like, you do that I... That, like, sets me off? Or then, like, I do that sets you off? Or, like, is that... Is yeah, that... it's something, something that I do to cope that maybe is uncomfortable. Is there something like that? Is uncomfortable for you? Um... No, I'm trying to think of the coping that you usually do. Sometimes it's cleaning and organizing. So, But that works out for you. <laughs> yeah, except it's not, I don't know, not that. as, uh, sometimes it's like a compulsive organizing. And that's, uh, that's not fun to be subject to. Okay, yeah, that's true. Because I'll stop everything and I'll be like, no, we have to do this thing. That's, that's true. That's uncomfortable. That lamp doesn't belong there. Yeah, and then I won't stop until that lamp is moved. What if we rearrange the entire room? <laughs> is this is this what it's like for you with me? Just <laughs> just pops into my head. That doesn't and then... ha no, I mean, that doesn't happen that often. <laughs> but that's you know that is something. And, that and is you a can get mechanism. into a a a you know beating yourself up mood pretty easily, and then that's very hard to to logic your way or 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 persevere your way through. Um, and that's. 
that's tough to just see somebody just beating themselves up for really no reason or just to make themselves because all of a sudden they've lost it's it's like all of a sudden you've lost all your self-confidence for absolutely no reason and then it's just like well i guess i'm the worst person that's me (laughs) god that's me the world's worst person you might be wondering how i got here (laughs) well i did it (laughs) uh so that's yeah that i mean it's it's just hard to see and 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 i try to help and you know you can talk great job talk through and 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 just be like no that's that's not true and that's unfounded and you know who said that and that's just you saying that yeah what advice would you both give in relationships where both people have psych disorders like in balancing your care versus your partners helping understand one another it's a constant worry of mine not that i'm looking for a relationship right now but someday i kind of started off with that but um we didn't hear husband does opinion on it uh like husband does take on it my take is basically it has to be the bottom line is it's not like about an evening out of self-care like oh i've cared for myself i've cared for you now i need to take a step back and care for me like that all doesn't happen consciously to me at least what does happen consciously is like a oh my god i'm tired right now i cannot deal with you having a panic attack i'm going to remove myself to that room And then usually, like, after a few hours, I'm okay. And then really the emotional need to, like, help him wins out. And then I'll come over and be like, here's how I can help you. And I would I would say it's probably not much more different than, like, helping somebody with a any other disease or any other condition or any other problem or or whatever. Um, So, like if i had diabetes or something and like you know like oh i need insulin (laughs) is that what people with diabetes sound like (laughs) i need insulin they're they're like insulin vampires yeah well they are vampires because it's blood so um, sorry yeah sorry not to offend anybody who is diabetic (laughs) but i don't that was so stupid i don't think it could offend somebody i hope not (laughs) um But yeah, it would be a a component of any relationship between two people who are perfectly healthy would be having issues and disagreements and being like, what do you mean you're not coming to my softball practice? Like, it'd be that or like, what do you mean you don't love yourself anymore and you're going to go cry in a corner for a little while? Like, that's about the same. I Uh, mean, like, it's, you know, it's just another aspect of, you know helping another person out or, or understanding another person. And uh, it's not much different than any other problem that they would be having, I think, honestly. I'm smiling because that's the answer that I gave. Oh, okay. I was like, if you don't have that, there's other issues that you guys should be pulling each other, like helping each other out with, right? And so it's kind of, you gave the it's same, not like, very right. similar. It's not like an extra thing. It's like, uh, this is This is thing. our thing. Right. This is our crap to deal with. I mean, that's maybe just for us, but that's kind of how it's worked out. Yeah, that's, that's what, um, so the analogy I gave before is like, I said falling in love is like deep sea diving with somebody else. Like if you, one of you runs out of oxygen, do you just like go up to the surface and go like sayonara? Or do you ask the person to like help you out? Do you problem solve like right there in the depth with each other? Do you both go up for air? Like it's all about, I think, making sure that like you guys are both there for each other and not keeping score of that and just kind of like we're swimming along we're in this we have to we, we are going to be swimming no matter what so let's swim together and let's make this the best 
possible swim we could have. I just want to point out for actual diving advice, don't go to the surface because you need to depressurize. Thank you. The more you know. That's that's how you get the bends. Baby's got the bends. I never understood that song. Oh no. <laughs> I don't have any real friends. I mean, it's a good song. It's a good song. Tom York, I'm sorry. Yeah, when, when he sings it. Uh, couples that get the bends together stay together. <laughs> Every relationship, you need time to figure out the other person. And then the tough part about relationships, mental illness or not, there's always, so I strongly believe in this. I don't know if he does, but I believe that there is a power struggle in every relationship. And a good relationship is one where both people have figured out um, how to stop keeping count. So does that make sense? Um, so, you, don't, you don't want to be in a relationship where you're the only one doing stuff. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to end up in a relationship where you're, or, or, or your partner is the only one pulling weight, I guess, is like the best way, either emotionally or financially or whatever in a, you know, in a relationship, whatever is the, is the topic du jour. Um, but, you know, not feeling like it's about even and then being like mm, you know if it's not is is i think the key to having a decent you know relationship and and then being open about it if it's not right like right you talk about it like hey i've been i've been picking up slack around the house more often can you think you know you think you could help a little bit more with that right and instead of being like that's the first thing you say rather than like the I bottled it up for three months and now i need to explode and well that's I, something we learned that's something we learned in therapy we yeah. like we learn because I would count it like where we'd get in trouble is I would count it against him. I'd be like, I know I washed you were dishes late five minutes. Yep. And I five minutes. Five minutes. And then it was another six minutes the next time. And then it was eight minutes. That was a real conversation we had. And, and like but like, you know, traffic happens and I'm driving over a half hour away and like how how At the time to me, him being late was a personal like fault, it reflected poorly on me because it meant he didn't want to see me in time. Instead of it being, he's just late. And that's the end of the story. He's just late. It's not, doesn't, him being late doesn't have to be a sign. It doesn't have to be a reflection of the relationship. It just is. But that's something that we learned. Um, was there ever a point that you felt each other's psych disorder was too much to handle? And how did you get over it if so? I'm gonna say, so for him, I haven't had that moment. I mean, I've had moments where I've been like, I cannot deal with your panic right now. I just want to eat food and I do not want to have to consult what you think your panic disorder is telling you you should be not eating. I don't want to hear it. There have been moments like that for sure. But in terms of my, like, I think it's more about my depression when I've had to take off from work and like, we didn't know if I'd be able to go back to work. Like those moments. Yeah. There was a moment in college where you thought I broke up with you. Oh, <laughs> it was before exams. He was such a turd. <laughs> such a turd. He made me give it give him back my promise ring. I this did used not. to be the prom this used to be my promise ring. I did ring. not. You gave it back to me the next day cuz you were like, "What are you talking about?" And I was just like, "We just had an argument last night. I don't know what you thought happened because of that." I was like, "But like, I met her in the cafeteria the next day. I'm like, hey, do you want, like, a sandwich or something? And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I sat through, I it was childhood psychology. I sat through a childhood psychology 
uh, exam and I was so stressed out. I don't remember how I did. I just remember being really stressed out over this. And he was like, you want a sandwich? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? We had this huge argument, but I don't know that that was like, that was definitely related to um, like aspects when I had like borderline traits of like, I love you, I don't love you, I love you, go away, now come back kind of thing. Uh, and that was the thing that worked out. I always have a cosmic balance sheet going on in the back of my mind. I can't turn it off. Even though I don't ever use it against people, it's just there. Maybe a hint of resentment, but I try not to. Um, but it's fair, it is fair to kind of keep tr loose track yeah. Because I mean, people will screw you. People will take advantage of sure. you and be like, oh, this is a nice person. Well, I can just keep leaning on them and leaning on them and leaning on them. And if it's somebody hard. you trust and then it's, you know, it, you know, your balance sheet is a little, you know, uh, off balance sheet, then, um, you know, you talk to them. I mean, like, that's, I think that's just the end of the story. It's, it still goes back to the communication. You have to talk to them. Yeah. Because what will happen when it does get disbalanced, I'll be like, bro. How many times do I have to wash the dishes? And there are times where he's like, well, I've been doing this thing then the whole week. And I'm like, oh, I didn't notice that. And he's like, yeah, so stop freaking keeping track of the dishes or don't do the dishes. I will do them if you don't do them. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's I mean, so another great point. There's things in our house that, you know, the chores that we're each supposed to do. We argue of. over chores more than anything else. And sometimes you just don't have time to do it. Or I don't do it in the proper amount of time. The allotted time that I don't know when it expires, but it, it does expire. Okay, you guys, we're, we're not going to get into it. But basically, <laughs> like, if you leave a piece of paper on a public in a public location, right? It's not on a desk. It's not in, like, the study. It's in a public location. It's on the counter in the kitchen mm. where other shit needs to be going on. Like a public library. Public location. Got it. Would you leave shit around in a public library? You're just proving my point. Okay. All right. Yeah. So if it's the public, if it's a public space and there's shit there that you should have, like, if it's, if it's a letter that should have been taken care of or like a plate that didn't get put away, that seems like there should be a reasonable amount of time for that. Am I wrong, guys? But yeah. So, so the question is, do our disorders ever get to be too much? And I guess the answer is sometimes, but not, there's never been like a crescent point that's been like oh your depression is the reason this is happening and it usually just for whatever reason doesn't end up coinciding very often it's like i usually don't have panic attacks while you're depressed or you know it, it doesn't usually coincide like that i think something's shut off in your brain when you see somebody else suffering it could be that you care about for for me like i will I mean, to a point, definitely there is a point where I'm like, I can't help you anymore because I'm feeling depressed and I'm like, I feel terrible. I'm not in a place to help you out through that. Um, but it doesn't coincide often. You're right. You're right. So, I mean, like, and, and you know, the chances of it happening are there, but, you know, you, you just deal with it. How did you manage your anxiety during your honeymoon, husband? Uh... The anxiety was managed by going, going through it. Go, just, just go. Just, just experience. It. Just experience. Just this experience. Is, this is a the therapist anxiety. that both of us apparently hated. So just, just you know, experience. If you're just it. having a panic attack. Just, just, just let it come. Let just, it come. Just, let it, just experience. Just it. like swim in it. No, he didn't say that, but it gets really bad. It's so such. It's good advice, but when you're when going, you're when you're going through it. 
It's like, great, I'll just feel nauseous and feel like I'm going to vomit for like 15 minutes. Woo. That's just, yeah, that's just, I'm Part so it. excited about that. Um, yeah. So how did I manage on the honeymoon? There was ex- there were expectations and there was CBT. Um, CBT being cognitive behavioral therapy um, for the... CPTV. <laughs> it's a CPTV. channel. There we go. Um, so uh, cog- cognitive behavioral therapy for to prepare me to be on the plane for mm-hmm. an extended period of time and understand that it is going to Japan whether I am panicking or not. Um, so deal with it. <laughs> and it was helpful. Um, except his just philosophy on like, if you have depression, just don't. And if you have anxiety, just, just experience it. And I was just like, dude, you're like, you're supposed to be helping people. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got something out of it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that that, that guy, guy particularly. You do recommend therapy. I want to make that clear. Of course. Okay. I mean, it, it look. He still knew enough that I was able to figure out how to help myself. Yeah. And I mean, it was really just a guided, like, how could we go through exposure for being on a plane? And I was like, I don't know. Do you have a plane? And he's like, no. So (laughs) so he's like, pretend you're on a plane. And I'm like, great. I'll go. And I mean, maybe this will help somebody. I could go through it quickly. Yeah, go through it. Go through it. I'd rather, because if somebody has anxiety and like is looking for coping mechanisms. I mean, like just anxiety about being on a plane or being, you know. In a foreign country and I mean, the foreign country thing, I had done a lot of research beforehand um, about the language, about understanding, you know, what is what is acceptable. That was part of prep. What is acceptable to do, what is unacceptable to do how they eat, what is like, you know, don't pass food with chopsticks between chopsticks and don't leave your chopsticks standing up in rice and don't do things they would do at funerals. So that helped address all of the um, anxiety that a lot of people have, just the preliminary, I'm going somewhere and there's a lot of unknowns. So what, how do you do, you research as much as you can so yeah. that the unknowns become knowns. And um, just for the, the, uh, the CBT for being on the plane, it was a combination of a, I forget what he called it. It was some kind of like imaginative. Imaginative exposure. Imaginative exposure, like imagined exposure or something. It was exposure therapy. Where you like where, did the next closest thing. Right. I pretended and I set up a, a, a light simulation of being on a plane, which included noise canceling headphones with engine you know the youtube video of 10 hours of plane noise in one of our kitchen chairs which was right up against the our wall. kitchen chairs suck very uncomfortable chair right up against the wall with another chair brought right up in front of me and then a backpack on my legs and i closed my eyes and i was like i'm on a plane i'm here for a period of time and you know then I would stay there like that for like 10 to 15 minutes. And I did that a few nights and that just kind of, there was anxiety about doing it first. But then once I was kind of just in it and, and understood that like, yeah, this is like not the most comfortable thing and you know, I'll get through it and it's just going to be boring is really the, you know, the, the worst part of it. Yep. Yep. What are your views on guided meditation as a coping mechanism and have you tried it? I haven't tried a guided meditation. Do you want me to do one for you? It's one of the things we learned in yoga teacher training. I mean, I can. I, I'm not against trying it, but okay. I, I can't speak to it because I've never actually 
Okay. But you um, have tried, he has tried meditating before, you guys. Yeah, that was the other thing that that psychologist, uh, psychiatrist was, psychologist, was, was really big on. Which isn't, again, isn't bad, but I would not suggest anybody. When it comes to anxiety, how do you and M balance it so that you're able to help her with her anxiety without pressuring her or letting the anxiety grow stronger through avoidance? The reason I made that face is because you do, you turn to avoidance, right? That's one of the problems. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned before that it doesn't usually coincide. So me having some kind of a, an issue, you'll help. And if I'm, ha or, you know, if you're having some kind of an issue, I'll help. It doesn't usually step on each other. And, and, and that might just be a product of you know time yeah understanding that like oh no like this person i care about needs help now i am like in a totally different mindset and mode so like panicking is less possible when i'm trying to help you out of something does that make sense yeah because you're like engaged differently like a different part yeah. of your brain is engaged and you also know mm -hmm. how to do it so i feel like it's like an accomplishment thing maybe a little bit Husband, your exposure therapy before going on a plane, how many times did you have to do it until your anxiety was more under control, loosely speaking? Um, it helped to do it even just twice. Um, but I think after like the fourth or fifth time, I, I stopped doing it entirely because I was like, it was getting diminishing returns on it. Yeah, you were just getting um, bored. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, when, ex when you're doing exposure therapy and then you get bored, that's perfect because that means that there's no anxiety about prepping to do it, or there's no anxiety about actually being in that situation, or there's no anxiety about, you know, there should be less anxiety about actually doing the, the action or, or being in the scenario. So like to, uh, to be bored or to, you know, I, I would say at least twice and, you know, for as long as you can stand it. Okay. Bef well, like, so you'll know, <laughs> you'll know, basically, once you start feeling better, you'll be like, I don't need to do this anymore. Well, once you start being like, eh, whatever, like, and then like, that's, that's exactly where that's you should be with your, with your, you know, uh, I'm going to be in a subway. Eh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Considering you know each other's weak points so well, have you ever slipped during a fight and hit below the belt? What would be like below the belt? Like if I was like, well, your anxiety makes you a shit or like... <laughs> Like nobody yeah. loves you because you're you. Nobody does love you because you're de like that kind of thing. I can't say that I've honestly ever used it against you. I don't think. No. So no. I don't. I hope not. If you can't remember it, then I hope that means because I don't think I have ever. I don't think it's like a part of me that like I need to like defend or or like it's not yeah. a part of my identity that like you can hurt because yeah. I know it's stupid. I know it makes no sense, and yeah. I don't like it. So, like, if you're like, well, your anxiety sucks, and I'm like, yeah, it fucking does. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to get on your side. <laughs> I can see how, you know, you'd be like, like, well, you can't even go on a plane, and that's that's ruining my life. And you'd be like, well, that's really shit of you to say. No, because I've said, like, jokingly, I've been like, well, if we don't get on a plane and go somewhere, like, I'm going to break up with you. But it wasn't, if we don't get on a plane because of your anxiety, then I'm going to break up with you. Like, it's never been, the mental health part is never in focus because we do have so much 
so much more to her personalities beyond that. <laughs> Uh, that, like, yes, it's spotlighted, obviously, on the show and, like, in this question, but in terms of our fights, it's usually not center stage, I would say. Yeah, uh, I just brought this to, uh, rated R, so, sorry. <gasps> you said F? <laughs> it's not a family-friendly channel. It doesn't claim to be. Um, it's, uh, why can't you be normal? I, wait, have we said that? I don't think it's been like that. It's been more like, I wish you felt better. <sighs> I mean, but, like, you know, I wish you were normal. Like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm not having a fun time either. So it's, you know, it, it's not... I feel like you've said, like, I, so what will happen is, it's never been in an argument, but it's definitely, like, I have straight up asked. I've been like, do you wish I didn't have depression? And you've been like, yeah, that would be great, but that's not happening. <laughs> so what's the, it's like, like no, it's more of a, let's I, make I wish... fun of this flawed logic kind of situation. Yeah, I guess so. How did you react when you found out about M's mental health struggles? Did you know about it before things got serious between you two? Um, your living situation when we met was not good. And... It was fueling the fire because... That was, I thought, like, the main problem. Like, that yeah, a was... a lot of our problems went away, huh, when I stopped living there. That's fascinating. Because to be in an abusive household is probably the worst thing for any person to be going through. I mean, like, Because that's... then I... I You're... wouldn't take it out on you, but then I would be paranoid about your behavior because it wasn't what I was used to. But it was also just making you feel worse about everything that you did. So, right. Like, it, it fed the depression, too. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, this is this is absolutely bullshit, and you have to not be here anymore. And that's why college was so conveniently nice to be like, see ya, um, and be out of the that living situation and i know a lot of people don't have that luxury and that's really not good but i mean like it's you know whatever you can do to to persevere and and then eventually get out or get help is uh i don't know it's worth doing for sure what's our favorite couple activity playing video games together right yeah because uh, i don't play good. video games so it's usually like either him teaching me how to do it what I think else do eating, do too. Eating. <laughs> I really enjoy eating with you. Like, if you think of Japan, what was Japan? Going shopping, to eat places together. Shopping and eating. Yeah. I mean, it was Christmas shopping in Japan. Yeah. That and then our, eating. That was our honeymoon. Yeah. But we used to hike a bunch. We stopped. Actually, no. I would say, hands down, if we only had to pick one activity, our favorite activity is playing with the dog together. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. That's, that's really fun. Because he... Mr. Dog. Mr. Dog. Because it's fun to to watch him be just like a dog and just see the sheer joy that dogs have from just like existing. It's awesome. And He was just happy that both of us are like involved with him. Yeah. Well, like, that and that's he, it. He's like, just like, I'm getting attention from two people. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, that's, that's but that's you see that light up in his face and you, the, like the world is better then. So how y'all know the secret to relationships with mental illness? Dogs. Dogs are the glue that keeps any relationship together. Wait, but how did you react? You never answer that question. Which one? You know, how did you react when you found out that I had mental health issues? I left immediately. And you've no. never been back since. <laughs> and I never returned. Um, no, I mean, it was just a like, I, I think I had already understood uh, you were already I going already, through therapy. I was already going to therapy. So I was just like, like, you know, I, I it was totally like, uh, 
you know, I understand. I have, you know, I'm not perfect about mental health, so I brought you to a few sessions too. Yeah, had, so he actually group. opened up the idea that I could go see a therapist because I was like, I'm not going to a therapist. And then he brought me in with him to be like, this is my positive influence. I want her here to help me as I go through CBT, like through uh, certain exercises. And I went and I was like, oh, this is not that scary. Everybody makes it seem like it's this terrifying thing. This is not that scary. I should maybe, maybe I will feel a lot. And then I would see how you felt after an appointment, like how you'd go in and then how you'd come out. And that made a huge difference. Yeah, so it, I mean, it was just, you know, so. I was already comfortable going to therapy. And then you were just like, you're like, I have maybe issues. I'm not sure. I was like, well, let's go to a session together. You told me I had issues. You were like, dude, you definitely have issues. There was a, <laughs> there was a point where you were like, you need to go to a therapist. Uh, I think I it's mean, when I told you I wanted to die. I was like, you're the only reason I don't want to die. This is like 18-year-old drama, right? But all jokes aside, like there was a moment where I was definitely like, I'm not, I don't want to be here. There's nothing keeping me here. But you are making it so that I don't want to die to to like not live any i don't want to live but i don't want to not live anymore and he was like yeah so let's uh, let's take you to therapy let's go talk to this dude come on he's a pretty cool dude yeah he's like this old dude he's like fat it's great (laughs) (laughs) do you ever get into moments where you accidentally white knight each other and go overboard trying to help Mm, yes yeah well so here's the thing when you're depressed and you're feeling like shit any help you get your brain is like well you don't deserve this help and you're a piece of garbage so he should fuck off and so i think my brain will go there and i'll be like i don't need your help right now but then like looking back at it i'm like really happy that he was there so nothing that is like actually white knighting but i think there will be points where my brain will convince me that i'm being white knighted if that makes sense yes yeah. Yes. Sure. Do you ever feel like I'm white knighting? Do you ever? F- I feel like you got upset with me because I. So his panic disorder was getting really bad last year, and I started making up excuses with our friends for it. And when he found out, he got you got really upset. Actually, yeah. I was like, well, what was I supposed to do? You won't go to eat anywhere. You know, all the things that you were avoiding because of your panic, and you were like, I would appreciate if I had like more control over. So that's, that's like legit that actually happened. How did you and Emma approach times when you're both suffering some mental health issues? That can be really tough when neither party has energy to give. The problem is I can't think of any one specific scenario where we were both going through something at the same time. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. But what about moments where like I had to leave work and shit and like I don't know. you yourself <clears throat> were not exactly at 100%. I guess you know what happens? I think the person who's feeling worse... And at the moment, I don't think you think about it, but the person who's doing worse at that moment takes precedent. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if there's any specific way to, you know, say like, okay, you know, who's feeling worse and like put it on a scale or something. But like, yeah, that's not it. It's just like a, I I mean, sometimes you just need some time apart, maybe. I don't know. Like, I feel like we've, we've taken like, you know, like an hour to like go either figure ourselves out in like separate rooms or like to just cool off if we've you know had an argument about something and then you come back together later and you're like hey you know what i'm you know 
I just don't feel great right now or, you know, I'm sorry I was struggling before and, you know, it's if you don't have energy to help, then maybe, you know, you, you take a moment for yourself to to be able to remove yourself or, or to, you know, kind of recharge or reevaluate or cool off um, before well, the harder part is. Is if your mental illness takes over then and says like, oh, well, he's just taking a break because he doesn't want to be with you because you're this way. And that's something I had to unlearn through therapy. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think your anxiety ever told you that I was doing something to like make you X or Y. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's usually about either nothing or things that are just worrying about other things that don't need to be worried about. Does M ever sing in Russian? No. <laughs> I've sang in French, I'm pretty sure. I'll go into that song. Do you guys know that French song that's like, it's their equivalent of head and shoulder, knees and toes, but it's about a bird. It's this like little bird, little bird, and then you name his body parts, and it's like, it's a really cute song. I sing that one sometimes. Mm. Oh, everybody knows that song. Yeah. Yeah, but I still sing it. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you were going to sing in French, you may as well learn the uh, the song from uh, Ratatouille, The Feast. You want me to learn that the blah, 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 the Edith Piaf song? Yeah. Yeah, no. The one that's like the main theme of the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. I guess I could learn it. If it was something you wanted, you should have told me before our anniversary. I would have, like, made it a thing. No, I don't need that. By the way, his favorite Disney movie is Ratatouille, if you guys ever wanted it's to know. It's one, one of the good ones. What are your go-to coping strategies? Go-to coping strategies? Um, you know what's an interesting one? Um, for specifically panic attacks, um, I... There, there's definitely a way to do this without, you know, having to, to go through this full uh, coping mechanism. But I found that kind of giving myself a reason or giving myself a way to reset my brain is like the best way to stop a panic attack. And, and, and the easiest or most reliable way that I've found, and um, even if it's like a bad panic attack, is to lay down on a couch and pretend you're going to sleep like a hundred percent you are committed to falling asleep and you set an alarm on your phone for 10 minutes like maximum and i usually find myself like struggling to breathe you know totally panicking then just taking a deep breath or two or three and then being awoken by my alarm and like being it's it's like it's like clearing ram in a computer and it's just like you to totally shut everything off i was waiting for one computer metaphor thank you, you you totally shut everything off and then just reset and then be like all right you know and then i so usually... you just do a restart you don't go to that moment where the computer fully shuts down you right. like go the to fans, restart the and fans then you are restart. always spinning yeah i mean I, I definitely use that i use that even sometimes at work and just kind of like uh we have yeah a he has couch. the kind of job where he can lay down okay. on the couch for 10 minutes people can take a 10 minute break every so often yeah but i don't have at, a couch to lay down on at all right work. well then you just go and like you don't have like a front lobby where you can like sit on no. a chair i actually i didn't have that in my first job yeah. and i went out to my car in the parking lot oh that's and true. i sat for 10 minutes i would i would just walk out to my car go you know for, set my alarm for 10 minutes recline the front seat you know, be like asleep. I mean, like, you know, maybe people who can't sleep or fall asleep or get comfortable in places that are weird 
wouldn't find this as helpful, but at home, it's definitely worth well, a the try. The question was what helps you, not what helps that's, you. That's my fail-safe uh, coping mechanism. And maybe not, you know, maybe it's not, you know, uh, the best because you can't do it everywhere. And, it, you know, it's it's kind of intrusive to, like, what you're doing. But sitting through a panic attack is definitely more Intrusive than taking a second, yeah. Yeah, than taking a, you know, a 10 minute break in the middle of the day. I mean, like, I mean, what else are you going to do? You, you... Um, there is a yoga version of that that I do at my desk. It's the three-part breath. It's three, inhale on one, two, three, exhale all together. Then inhale one, two, three, exhale all together. Uh, and so, like, I will do that at work, and that helps me a lot. And then, right, you have a, well, this is like a, but this is a mantra. These are mantra beads, and I got them for you when you have a panic attack. It's It's so that you... Like, you're touching something else. You're engaging other senses. I mean, like, you can just take a breath on each bead and then... That's, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to do with those. And, I mean, those bracelets are, they go pretty cheap online. Yeah, that's, nobody asked that question is, how did you decide to stay with anxiety even though she burps all the damn time? Mm hmm. It must be love. <laughs> is this love? Is this love? Is this love that I'm feeling? Maybe. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, in general, things are trending good or bad? Good. All right. Wow. Really the talkative one. <laughs> okay. Nice. Toucan or chameleon? These are the questions you came for. I mean, toucans are pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't know exactly what we're talking about. Maybe we're talking about utility. Birds are neat. He really likes birds. For both of you, what do you love most about the other person? His butt. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't have a butt. <laughs> what do I love most about you? Mm. You never have a response for this. I do Which is good I because don't... you don't know how to answer. We don't respond to depression. And usually it's depression asking, why do you care about me? Um... I do have an answer. Say the beard. Say the beard. <laughs> oh my god, it's like his beard. If he shaves it off, I'm leaving. I did shave it off one time and you had an absolute fit. I did because you I wasn't expecting I didn't recognize it and I wasn't <laughs> expecting it and I like lost my I was like, what's wrong with your face? I was I got upset before I realized that I was upset. It was one of those. What do uh, I love about you the most? Okay. I love how uh genuinely caring you are like i have seen you take care of things that like before even that thing would recognize that they need help and i've like like that your generosity in that sense and your your patience <laughs> for stuff makes Sorry. me um whatever man i'm just spilling my soul i like two cans make better cereal <laughs> All right, that's really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's very nice. Thank you. No comment. <laughs> so you like nothing about you can't even nope. say off the top of your head one thing. I like your face. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Do you rely on the other for emotional support? Is that a good thing, or should you be more independent? Uh, you can't. You cannot rely on somebody solely for your emotional 100%, support. Right. But expecting somebody to be there when you're going through a particularly rough time is more than okay. 
But being, there's a, there's a difference between, and I hope I can explain it properly. There's a difference between emotionally expecting the other person to be doing your cleanup. So if yeah. you, if you often find yourself, like I often, I used to find myself in situations where I'd be like, I can't pick myself back up. I'm in a depressive state. Why can't you, why aren't you here? And I'd say words like that would transfer the responsibility for feeling better from me onto Patrick, which is not fair. So I would say like, why, uh, why don't you care about me more? Why don't you want to spend more time with me? Uh, why are, um, you know, why do you want to like stuff that wasn't true, that was hard to disprove but that was easily manipulated into potentially like confirming my bias that I was shit. So, so that's all like emotionally relying on him to tear apart my bad depressive thoughts, right? So like they are incorrect and saying you have to be responsible for them is a way for me to put my emotions onto him. But um, that's, so that's something we just had to like learn to, through therapy and, and stuff. And that's, that's frustrating when the other person turns it on you like that because you're just trying to help. And you know, if, if they're like, if they're gonna say like, well, you don't actually care about me because X, Y, and Z. And you know, you're like, well, let, let, me, let me explain. And they're like, well, then, then, then LMNOP. And then you're like, look, I'm trying to sit here and explain to you why I actually do care. And you're just trying to push me away. So like, maybe don't. <laughs> right. So that's depression logic. And what people, I think people in relationships with somebody who is depressed or anxious will get into that loop of, I need to respond to depression logic. I need to explain every, ev like everything that she is saying or he is saying, I need to be able to counter. Why don't you love me? Uh, I actually do love you. Why Why is everything shit? Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Like, but you don't have to be responding to those things at all. Because that is just, that's what we say, that's called feeding the depression monster. Yeah. That's that's responding to it and giving it fuel. Whereas, like, it's kind of like a, like a child, like a spoiled child, where you have to be like, no, I'm not, I responded to the first three. That kind of made sense. Now you're just asking me about like ridiculous things and I'm not responding to it anymore. Now you pick yourself up because you know that those aren't logical thoughts. So, and if you don't know, then you need to go and take time and figure that out. And I know that sounds like really strict, but that is, that's how I talk to my depression. It's very much like, like a spoiled brat. Who notices your depression first usually? Uh, it depends. Yeah, I guess it does depend. I was just thinking that it's usually uh, you, but then sometimes you don't even realize that you're like kind of putting yourself down and, and like I'm deep in this self beat up spiral. And you're but like, you're Whoa. not even like maybe not even there, and you're like uh, you know marginally in a you know like uh, not feeling great about yourself, and then it's like uh, like well this you know is do you actually want to talk about it or do you just not feel good or or you know like it's usually just a question after that. Yeah, we've learned, again, you don't feed that depression monster, so we've learned to let those questions be. We've learned to let those emotions be. Like, this is a depressive state. We're not feeding. It's kind of like don't feed the trolls. Like, we're not feeding it. We're not acknowledging these thoughts to be valid. If we start answering them, then we validate them as right. potential concerns. So we're not doing that. We're just saying you're going through a depressive time. 
just know all of your thoughts right now are potentially liars. And then we just kind of like sit together and or, you know, do something that you you know I would enjoy. But that answered beyond your question, so I'm sorry about that. But um, it depends. It depends is the answer. What are your tips to be a good partner, particularly in the early stages? Listening. Listening to what somebody's actually trying to tell you. Um, and, and, and the one step past listening is is trying to understand and trying to to be put yourself in the other person's shoes to to the other person's situation and you know try to understand and maybe even ask you know where it came from or 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 how they got to a point where where they're you know feeling how they're feeling or you know it's i guess it's like the the step past listening is like you know being understanding being empathetic being able to to put yourself in the other person's shoes and just be like i'm just gonna listen and hear them out and that's okay and then you know if if we want to talk it through later that's that's also great but i just want to get the full picture of where you know why they're feeling like they're feeling right now and where that may have come from or or where, where where that may have um what led you to feel like that and going back to protecting you um don't forget the fact that like somebody can't consistently put it on you to feel better so i know we just said that but i i just wanted to re-emphasize that so like being a good partner is not taking on that other person's feelings and trying to like fix them and make them feel better what works in friendships right how do you make a friend you find a piece of something in common and then you, in order to stay friends, you have to kind of dig deeper and figure out what else is there that you guys can can join on. Whether that's something emotional, whether that's another interest, right? Like people say like there aren't like Rocket League best friends, but there are people who enjoy Rocket League who also both enjoy, uh, you know, painting and those people will become friends, like so, something like that. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> Yep. Chris Rock said something funny about relationships. Sometimes you're on a lead guitar and sometimes you're on the tambourine. Yes, I do remember that bit. It's a really good one. It is really great. I mean, it's very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's just, I mean, and a lot of times you're in the audience, it kind of feels like. I mean, it's like you have to let the other person express how they're feeling or, or, or you know, just kind of get out thoughts or, you know. And, and the only way you're going to come to an agreement or or understand you just have to i mean listening and communicating and that's that's absolutely number one this was absolutely wonderful bye everybody and don't forget to be the light good night good night if you wanted to see the sources for this video please don't forget to check out the website that's anxiety.com blog that's where we post all of our sources so go through them let me know if you find one of them not to be right or if you would actually like to add some i love to hear that as well there's new blog posts twice a month so be sure to subscribe while you're at it check us out on youtube and twitter and all the other good stuff every follow means the world to me it means that somebody's listening it means the mental health stigma is about to die and what couldn't be better than that so thanks for tuning in check me out on all social media <laughs>